wild times. Here we go. Episode number, I, I literally don't even know. I've completely lost count at this point. Doesn't matter. Don't care. It's number 98. Kyle just texted the group. Good to see. Episode number 98 of the Wild Times podcast, the greatest podcast in the world, known by all wide and far. I am your host, Forrest Galante, the broologist. Joining me, the forever handsome, the looking mighty groomed at the moment and well-rested for a guy with a newborn, Mr. Peter Fitzer, PhD in podcasting, the professor. What's going on, Peter? Not much, man. I appreciate that. I haven't washed my hair in probably five or six days. It's nice when you got long hair. You could just pull it back into a ponytail and nobody knows. Doing good, man. You look good. I'm not just saying that. You look very well rested for a guy with a newborn. You really do. I wish I could say the same about you, but thank you. (laughs) Thank you. That's very mean. All right. Well, I'm going to move on to our lovely guest who I like so much more than Peter. Joining us tonight... Uh, in honor of Shark Week, which is coming up this week, very exciting, we have two of my favorite sharkiest people. And joining us tonight, very excited for this, we have at Speak Up for Blue, a good buddy of mine, the Brocaster, Andrew. What's going on, Andrew? Nothing much, man. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's fun. We're going to talk about how you became the king of podcasting, <laughs> how you got into all these sharky podcasts. There's a lot to dig into there. I'm sure Peter's going to have some nerd questions for you. Right on. And <laughs> my good longtime friend, co-host of Extinct or Alive, Land of the Lost Shark, the Elasmo Broologist himself, Mr. Dave Ebert. Woo! Clapping sound effects. Very nice. Hey. <laughs> uh, what's up, Dave? How are you, buddy? Hey. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. I'm super excited to finally get a chance to be on your podcast here. I've been following it since you started it and like it's i'm just can't tell you how excited i am to actually be here so thank you yeah it's great super stoked to have you so guys it's shark week you run a shark podcast before we even dig into all the meat and potatoes of fun sharky stuff and shark week stuff tell people where they can check out your podcast if they want to continue listening to shark nonsense yeah you well yours is nonsense oh, sorry ours is nonsense yours is actually shark science in fact ours is nonsense i should clarify <laughs> no problem yeah you can go to uh you can go to any podcast app and just look up beyond jaws uh you can also go to uh, the website we have like a host of podcasts called speakupforblue.com and uh you can just click on the beyond jaws podcast if you want to listen on the web but on then we're on apple spotify all those wonderful places uh, and soon to be on YouTube too uh, with your show you that, that we just interviewed you on, uh, Forrest, yeah. and uh, that's going to be up on YouTube uh, as we as you're listening to this. So you can subscribe nice. as you're listening, and then after this show, you can go listen to ours. Nice, nice. Yeah. There you go, cool. Dave. What do you think of Shark Week? You're you you've been in the shark world as long as anybody. You know, Shark Week, in my opinion. It's a good thing overall. I think sometimes there's a, it gets a bad rap. There's definitely some muddying of the waters with some nonsense that we won't <laughs> talk about too much or discover will cancel me. But um, what do you think? Tell us about Shark Week. What are your thoughts? You know, the, the biggest thing that, uh, for me that, you know, because they, they obviously, like, like a lot of these programs, they, they, they beat the white shark, the flying white shark stuff to death. It's just, oh, yeah. you know, how many times can you show a white shark flying around in the air? And um, <laughs> the thing I like about you know, the show you and I did Land of the Lost Sharks, and I've done yep. some of the other alien shark series that we go out and look for unusual sharks, little known species. And that, to me, is where the fact that Discovery's taking a chance and doing some of those different types of, looking for different types of sharks that they wouldn't normally 
most people don't think about. Because if, if you ask the average person how many species of sharks are out there, they'll say, well, maybe five or 10 or 20 yep. or something, or, or they'll throw around some number. But if I tell them there's 1,280 species of sharks out there, their jaws just you know drop open. They can't believe there's <laughs> yeah. so much out there. Right and on. yet, you know, there, people just don't know that. And I think that's, that's really been great that like Discovery and stuff with Shark Week to like highlight some of these little known species. Because they're not, they're not, as you know, Forrest, they're not easy to find. They're right. easy, you know, you just got to go out there. It, it takes a little, it takes an effort um, to go find those things. And um, a lot of times it's just a matter of going to actually look for them because nobody outside myself Big and you and a couple others, nobody bothers to even go look for them. Big but time. they're so important to the system that, you know, I think, I think it's terrific that, that Shark Week at least features some of those, some of those little known species out there. You know what's weird for yeah. me is they're not considered sexy. Right. Mm -hmm. We're talking tiger sharks and white sharks and bull sharks yeah. and like they're yeah. sexy, right? They're big and they're mean and they eat. I'm very attracted eat. to that type of shark. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that. Yeah, I imagine that. But those are the sexy yeah. sharks. Yeah. I call bullshit on that. I think the sexy sharks are like your cat sharks and your lantern sharks. And these things wow. with these incredible unique patterns mm -hmm. and like weird morphology and goblin sharks with big rostrums and then things like sawfish. Mm -hmm. Those to me are sexy sharks, and yet they're not getting the spotlight. Whereas the big toothy ones, sure, they, they all look a little different, but at the end of the day, they're like all sort of filling well, the same ecological niche. They're kind of boring, if you ask me. They all do the same shit. Well, if you ask people like what sharks, you know, something about like sharks, like describe or something, you never hear anybody say like, oh, you know, there's a pink shark with blue fins. Right. And they just look at you like, wow. you a pink shark, blue fins. But a, a, a goblin shark, shark, blue fin. The goblin, goblin shark. That? Kyle, yeah, let's they, take yeah, they, a look at a goblin shark. I want to see a pink one with blue fins because I've seen Dave <laughs> yeah. catch a goblin shark, but I haven't seen it yeah. pink with blue fins. Sorry, Dave, I didn't yeah, mean to interrupt. Kinda, please, please continue. Oh no, that's fine. That's, that's fine. No, they're kind of they're pinkish. They can be pinkish to whitish, but nobody. But you know, you'd have when you see one of these ones that comes out very pink. And I did one oh, yeah. for um, for uh, uh, about four or five years ago for Shark Week and Alien Shark Series. We went to Japan yep. to catch a goblin shark. We caught a couple of them. And the cool thing for me is we actually were able to put satellite tags on these things and let them go and swim around for a few days and kind of actually see see what they do. Now, now you're, it's a little misleading here because these are mostly dead sharks right. and, oh, and dead right. goblin sharks. And when they're dead, like you see a couple there where they're pinkish. Right. That's yep. more what their color is when you see them alive. Some of the ones you're looking at there, they're dead. If they're brownish Ooh, color, they're dead or they're dying. Yeah, that one. They're, they're sort of dead Now, that's dying. an attractive yeah. fish. Let me tell you. Yeah. That's the one you want to kiss on yeah. the mouth, that's well, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I had a girlfriend when I was 13 who had braces, and it looked just like that, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Dave. Go well, ahead. Think, no, so the thing of the goblin shark, one of these little known things is like they think, again, like white sharks or tiger sharks, but the goblin shark has the fastest jaw reflexes of any shark in the world. When that wow. jaw, and, and if, if you want to think how the jaws come out, it's it's a little exaggerated, but to say, like, if you ever watch the alien movies, how the alien has uh -huh. his jaws yeah. shut out, that's where the goblin shark can kind of, literally, the jaws come out at you, and it's the most rapid jaw protrusion to capture prey of any of species, that includes the white shark. And that's, to that's me, that's just fascinating. fascinating stuff, but nobody would know that, you know, watching, you know, endless hours of flying white sharks, that there's these really <laughs> cool sharks yeah. that do some bizarre, I mean... <laughs> I think about it, think about it, and I, I kind of wonder one time when they came up when they did the uh, Alien Shark series, or not the Alien Shark, the uh, Alien 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 
uh, movies yeah. that came out, uh-huh. if they actually somebody had actually seen a goblin shark and, and the way the jaws protrude, that's where they got the idea for the alien. Oh, I'll guarantee it. I bet you a million dollars that's where they got it. That that's yeah, like a I, whole thing. Um, what's his name, Peter? The guy who made Avatar, Peter Peter Jackson? No, James Cameron. What's, what's the no, Avatar um, guy? James Cameron. James Cameron. James Cameron yeah. yeah. Thank you, Andrew. James Cameron came out and said when he made Avatar that he drew all of his weird inspirations of all the you know the the creatures in Pandora from real life animals, and basically he took smaller critters and blew them up and changed their their look. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and he came out and said that he's like, where else would I get them from? Right. Like, you know, it's not, it's not just something that comes to me. It's like, I have to take inspiration from real creatures. And so anyway, we're getting off on a tangent, yeah. but I think, uh, I agree with are good. Point here. Well, I, I, I have a comment <laughs> yeah. on, on avatar. Imagine if avatar was just about the ocean, that would have been like same well, graphics, I, but just about the, like real ocean. Isn't animals. that like a, the new yeah, thing? Like totally. somebody told me avatar two was all underwater. It's underwater, but <laughs> it, has no, it doesn't have anything to do with ocean animals it's just like the alien kind of beast that they've thought of i think isn't it oh i don't know if octopus if octopuses were not so if everybody didn't know what one was and then you saw one and you saw what it could do you would certainly think that that's like a creature out of a movie that doesn't really exist I mean, right. it can just change mm-hmm. color instantly yeah. and, and texture. texture. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's nuts. Could you imagine yeah, if you yeah. could just change skin texture whenever you felt like it? You're like, I'm pissed <laughs> off. I just want to be spiky so nobody talks to me. Right? There's, no way this, <laughs> yeah. there's no way society would be able to handle it at this point in time if you can uh-huh. just change color at, no. at will. There's no way. Oh, my God. It would be no. amazing, though. It would be no. amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, or or the flip side to that, Andrew, would all the woke stuff like disappear because we yeah. can all be whatever color we like all the time and whatever <laughs> texture we like. Yeah, and whichever one we Whatever texture. Yeah. <laughs> whatever texture. Yeah. There's going to be yeah. uh, texturists out there <laughs> who are <laughs> like, oh, you're oh, brick texture. Disgusting. Yuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no. So... I think that's a pretty fair assessment of of my feelings on Shark Week as well, Dave. I love Shark Week. You know what's funny is I've done six of them now. I've never seen a white shark during a Shark Week show. That's awesome. I've seen hammerheads um, and bull sharks Mm -hmm. and tigers, Mm -hmm. but I've never even been associated with a white shark during a Shark Week show. And you'll remember, Dave, one of our camera guys saw a white shark in South Africa while we were diving on one of the scouts while you and I were somewhere else doing something else. And then we went back and dove in like, oh, it'd be so good for the show if a white shark buzzed us. And then, of course, we never saw it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which leads, w- w- right. Which leads me to my next point, which I think is fun to talk about with you guys here. Sharks, right? People think about them. They go, oh, my God, if I touch the water, there's going to be sharks everywhere. They're going to be all over me. There's yes. 10 per square foot. Yeah. As a layman, that is right. true. But is that not what you <laughs> yeah. think, Peter? Like you think if you go yes. in the ocean, a shark and, and your, your feet can't touch the sand you're going yeah. to get eaten by a shark. A hundred, I feel like a hundred, I've told the story before where I flew off a jet ski in the ocean and I was like terrified trying to <laughs> swim back to it. I was in a full-blown panic. <laughs> if you get it in your head, weekend. if you get it in yeah, your sorry, head, you can freak out in any any water. Like I remember as a kid. Yeah, in the bathtub. Bathtub, pool, lake. It doesn't matter. If you have uh-huh. it in your head that something's underneath and something's going to get you, it doesn't matter where you oh, are. God. You can freak out and... and and let's uh, be honest, Jaws yeah. did that to all of us as kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you were scared. There's of a Jaws, Jaws marathon point. coming up. Oh, I look Is forward there, to that. I, I'm sure that's timed I, with Shark Week. I, I, 
I, I probably got the distinction here of being the only one that actually saw Jaws the summer it came out in 1975. None of you guys were. I was not born. Yeah, right. You guys weren't even in the, you guys weren't even in the construction phase. Um, but I, I can tell you, having seen that when I was when I was about 15 or 16 when that movie came out, it was like it was like a scary monster movie. But again, I kind of grew up in Mon- right here in the Monterey area. Like I was already. I was already free diving and spear fishing at that point in time. And you just had my little perspective was different because you just knew there were white sharks were around, but you just put it right. out of your mind. As right. far as I know you're, you're a spear fisher too, but you just, you just go out and you go spear fishing and you go watch the movie. You're like, wow, that was a really scary movie. And yeah. it was really cool and stuff. And you know, people talk, talk about the, all the negative sides from jaws, but you know, I can tell you having lived it, that really is what, what started the whole, build the, started the whole thing on on modern shark research was Jaws because people mm, wow in addition to all the all the bad stuff you hear people started going like asking like well how many shark species are there and how old do they get and and where do they live and where do they reproduce and and I was just kind of fortunate you know I started in college there in the late seventies early eighties there was a lot of funding started coming out for doing shark research and I was just really fortunate to catch that first wave of it at the time. And uh, so there was a lot of ne- there was a lot of negative. You hear the negative stuff on and on and on, but it was really a lot of the people that uh, that like myself. We're for- we benefited because I wanted to study sharks from the time I was five years old. But there was there literally was no field of shark research unless you were studying shark attack. That was That's it. Crazy. That was the extent of it. I had that, yeah because like you said, and just to clarify for the listeners, you hear the word jaws, and if especially if you're into like the environmental naturalist side of the world you're like, Jaws is the worst thing ever because it led to fear of sharks and we want to murder all sharks now and it's Jaws' fault, right? Yeah. And I certainly don't agree with that wholeheartedly, but I get the point. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting mm-hmm. to think of the flip side of that, which is like, oh, Jaws, yes, it definitely demonized and villainized sharks, but it also opened up this whole world of curiosity for shark funding and research. That, that's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that that was the case. Yeah. yeah. It, well, see, the, the, the thing to me is a lot of the people, they're more in your your age groups, you guys, they're talking about how bad Jaws was. And I'm like, well, you guys weren't even born yet. How, and you're telling me you're trying <laughs> to speak like you know what happened. And here I, and I'm, you know, and I'm not unique, but myself and others, we lived through this whole thing. And, and some of the people we've had on the podcast, our podcast, Beyond Jaws, like Chris Lowe is a professor at Long Beach State. He grew up in Martha's Vineyard. And like, for example, when he was, we had him on our podcast, the two boys that played the sheriff's sons in the movie, they were classmates of his yeah. at school. That was wow. pretty cool. And, and, so, and so, like, yeah, and so there's a couple other people, Greg Skomel, who's up in, who studies the white sharks in New England now. Again, yeah. he's another one that kind of grew up in that whole, had some connect, direct connection with Jaws as well. And In fact, my, one, my connection is if you watch Jaws, the last credit that comes up in the movie will say, Mr. LJV Capano, Stanford University. Well, Capano was my PhD advisor, oh, and he cool. was the guy that he was the guy that Steven Spielberg hired to design the mechanical jaw uh, shark Bruce in the movie. Wow! And, <laughs> and they flew him down there when he was when he was a PhD student to, to actually help design the the thing. So a number of us actually have some direct connections through professors or, or direct interaction with the movie. And I just wish sometimes these people would kind of like these younger people kind of like give us a call or say, Hey, what really happened at the time? So I, when I get on shows like this, I kind of go off and say, Hey, no, this is what really happened at the time. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it really, it led to, I mean, there was no such thing as shark conservation that all came right. about right. 
because of Jaws, literally. And that and seems so like have a whole crazy. We, we did a whole, we've done a, yeah. a full like year of, of Beyond Jaws podcast and we've talked to people uh, who have been like, been in shark research for for 25 years plus and all of them said the same thing whether they were in New Zealand whether they were in Australia whether they were in like Sri Lanka there was there were no programs of shark research that were around until like that jaws era kind of kind of came through and and Dave actually says he goes these are the jaws era scientists that have kind of built these programs <laughs> yeah. you know jaws, that, that were never okay. existed jaws, nobody wants to know about sharks it's it's insane it, it, that's it was a general where we're people in my group we're the we're the jaws generation <laughs> yeah. as we tell them it's literally <laughs> the jaws generation so so it's got to so, be i mean do you think part of that was <clears throat> because it's so difficult to study sharks and to actually especially during that but, time like it was probably much harder Nobody, to actually get in the water and no uh well yeah certainly the equipments i mean I, I i look at you know people like even just diving now like when i used to when i started like free diving here in monterey bay I, I was really young when i learned uh you know we'd get out the talcum powder to put in the wetsuits to get into our wetsuits now you got all <laughs> kinds of fancy you got more you know you use different right. types of lotions and stuff to get in but i use, I use a product called shark snot by the way which is a wetsuit <laughs> I'm not joking it's very expensive so i usually yeah. use horse conditioner is that but, a, is um, that a potential a, sponsor there for us i think uh <laughs> shark snot get your wetsuit lube only on the wild times discount code sha car i don't know um uh, no i wish that would be great because it's like 12 dollars a bottle for wetsuit lube which is oh, wow. insane yeah so shark snot figure you oh, can wow. out but um, oh yeah. Anyway, sorry. I, well, I well, the other, well, the other, I say the other thing I could tell you, I could, I could tell you, like we, you know, there'd be occasionally because shark attack would be around here, like the Monterey area or Santa Cruz. Before Jaws, it would just be like a little thing in the paper. Oh, there was a shark attack here. But right. after Jaws, it became this. Every attack became like this sensational story, and mm. uh, and so that was that was a big change because suddenly people were like, oh, this is when people started thinking like, oh my god, if I go in the water, I might be attacked by a shark. Mm-hmm. And it was right. Yeah. Just now the, it's at the, like the, the forefront. Media, the media hype from after the meet after again after the movie came out. Before the movie, it'd be like, oh, there was a shark attack, and that was, and that was that was pretty much would be the extent of it. Do you think politicians? Uh, and, do you think uh, politicians saw Jaws and they saw the politicians in Jaws being so ignorant of the of the shark and be like, no, everything's fine. Then they're like, we don't want to be that way. We have to study them. We have to find <laughs> out where they are, well, where they go, so that we know everything, yeah. so that we don't look like I think like you're giving idiots. politicians way too <laughs> yeah, much yeah, credit. Man. Yeah, yeah. Way too that. much credit. Yeah. yeah. Way too much maybe credit. Maybe scientists were, were telling, you know, maybe like just... Dave and his colleagues were telling that to politicians. So, hey, so you don't look like fools. Give well, us money and we'll study these things. Right. <laughs> well, 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 there will well, be. Well, no, well, the, some of the fun, a lot of the funding initially started because there were there there were shark fisheries that had been ongoing, you know things like they people like talk today like you you look at social media you think think they just discovered that shark finning just started last week. I mean shark finning right. was going on like long before me, but things like shark finning and shark fishing suddenly people started paying attention to it, and a lot mm-hmm. of the funding early on had to do more with fisheries had to do mm-hmm. with like you know, Asian growth population dynamics reproduction and. And I, I always, you know, when, when my colleagues and I from my Jaws generation talk, it was it was a totally exciting time because we there was no roadmap. There was nothing. It was literally, if you could think about it, well, let's go try this. And there was no one saying like, well, you can't really do that or no, no, we don't do that. It was literally like, if you could think of it in your mind, they would be sure. Why don't you go try it? We, we have no idea what's going to happen. So it was kind of a what's like a what, what's, what's one you can remember that's like the craziest instance of that. 
Like just some crazy um, concoction of an idea to study sharks, like way back in the day. Well, a lot of it would go out. Well, I, well, the, probably the biggest thing that I kind of, I kind of, people got to know me early on was I started watching sharks foraging and how they would hunt. Ah, and I was trying to put, I was trying to put all of this together. And again, there was nobody had really done this before. I was watching this, and Forrest will appreciate this. I couldn't. I was trying to figure out how this, how these things were hunting because there's a coordinated pattern. These things were doing, and and uh, and my professor Leonard Capano, he gave me a he gave me a couple books. One was uh, they were by Hans Crook. One was on the uh, uh, spotted hyena, and one of the other ones on the Serengeti lion. And it, and it was all about foraging, how 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 hyenas and lions forage. And this obviously I was going, I was in Africa, went to Africa, and I started reading up on them. Then I would go out and spend time actually in the in the field in the bush watching hyenas and lions hunt. And I was going like, that's what these sharks are doing. If you look at what uh-huh. they're doing, including things like seven gill sharks, seven gill sharks, they pack hunt. And like uh-huh. one seven gill shark can't subdue uh, like a Cape fur seal. It's, it's right. too big. But a pack of them take no them out. And these things will literally hunt in a pack. And same like, again, you, you know, hyenas and stuff, they, they, they might not be able to take out like a, an individual prey, like a, like a, a wildebeest or something, but a whole, mm-hmm. a whole group of them. Well, can take can take them out, and so that's what really that's where it was a kind of a nice watching how some of these different things hunted, and even things like you know uh, learning about crocodiles, how the crocodile behavior, and and, and then killing and, machines, and realizing <laughs> well they are they're they're they're, they're, they're I love I, I love to hate them or kind of they're, they're just because you just see these they like beautiful rivers machines. and yeah they are oh yeah them. they really are they I, are I, they're made for high up as they get yeah but anyway so yeah but they would no but they would. You know, but if if a, if a crocodile is successful hunting in a certain little tributary, it'll stay there as long as the hunting's good. And right. sharks, some sharks are the same way. If they know there's a good place to hunt, whether it's seals or or fish or whatever, humans, you know, they'll they'll human they'll they'll keep coming back to the same beach, the same cove, the same area. And again, I'm, what I'm talking about is this: this is not just white sharks. This is all these other species of sharks. They have their own unique patterns for hunting, but. You can't obviously spend as much time underwater as you can, like out in the bush watching lions or hyenas. But you right. can learn. You can learn from them. And then if you watch what these things are doing, if you get some, and I was fortunate, I had some. And keep in mind, there was no drones when I was doing this stuff. There was no right. cell phones, no drones. But we, you'd get up, you'd find locations where you knew the sharks were, and you get up high, and you're just look watching down. And this, and and I wasn't trying to quantify stuff. I was just writing down field observations, which is what most naturalists historically would do. They just describe what they're seeing. And I think that's kind of a, an art that's lost today in the science community, where you got to quantify everything. You've got to run these that. models. I want to oh, talk great. about that. I, oh, I don't need to interrupt you now. I want you to finish no. your train of thought, but yeah. I want to talk about that for a second. Um, so yeah. finish what you're saying, and then we'll circle yeah. back to that observational yeah. science. Yeah, it's just like you, 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 I just would sit there and write stuff down. And, and again, you were able to publish some of this stuff. Like, here's just an observational behavior. I didn't try to over, I didn't try to embellish. I just, here's what I saw, try to put in a context of like with some of these. And I read up a lot on lions and hyenas. And I talked to wildlife biologists on what their behavior. And again, it was just a, it was suppositional a bit, admittedly, but it was just, there was the only way you could do it because you can't be in the water. But mm-hmm. that is an art that's been completely lost, I think, in this younger generation. Yeah. Yes, I'll let you yes. roll. 
That's it. That is the segue I needed. Um, okay, so I say this all the time, okay? And Dave, here, here's your chance to stand up for like traditional academics. And, and this isn't pointed at them because obviously I have many friends who are, you're a traditional academic. But I've said on this podcast, and Peter can attest to this, what, what would you say? A hundred times, Peter, I've said that observational scientists are most of the time know the animals better than academic scientists. And that's like this thing nowadays where it's like, oh, you're an academic, you know everything about the animals. Like, yeah, well, I've never actually seen one in the wild. So well, how the fuck do you yeah. know about yeah. it then? You know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, 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 I have a PhD and I've written seven papers. It's like, great, but you don't know a thing about the animal. You might know how many teeth it has or where it's, where it's mm -hmm. weird scales are, its nostrils are different or whatever the hell its morphology <laughs> is, but you don't know a thing about this animal that you're supposed to be the world's leading expert on. You've never even seen right. one in the wild. And it drives me nuts because like you said, and I pointed this out on the podcast, that didn't used to be the case. The people right. that were the experts right. used to be the people that spent their life watching these animals day in and day out. The best African scientists were ex-safari guides. The best shark people yep. were fishermen. And the list goes on and on and on because they had seen these things day in and day out. And for the last, I don't know, 30 years, there's been this like weird thing that's happened where it's like, no, 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 they don't know anything about the animal because they don't have a degree. And it's like, well, they observe mm -hmm. that animal 12 hours a day, 300 days a year. <laughs> they know a lot more than you and your degree. And this huge divide has been created. Your yep. thoughts? Yeah. You know, I was going to say, I, you know, we, uh, uh, Andrew and I interviewed uh, Chris Fowles today, who, who uh, for our next him. podcast, be coming up yeah. after you. And he, uh, he almost verbatim said what you just said for us. And, you know, Chris spent a ton of time in the field. You know, he's yeah. well known for photographing the white sharks in the air. But yep. he'll tell you, all, he talked all kinds of different shark examples and he said the same thing because he can't get any any people in the academic world to go uh, the younger people to go out and actually spend time and i mean time like i mean days right. weeks, not a week not there. not not, not yeah. a couple hours yeah, like I mean, time like years staring right. at these creatures yeah yeah i mean i mean pe people ask me about like like the like the foraging behavior and like seven gills because that was what i started on seven gill shark uh, mm -hmm. in california when i started my research and i studied them here in california south africa and it was just i mean i you know, people say, like, wow, that was kind of cool. You got to watch him feed. I go, how often does that happen? I go, well, you know, I've been doing it for like 15 years. At that time, it'd been like 15 years. And I've seen like, oh, maybe a, a handful of predation bouts. But when you see them, they're awesome. But you had to, sp I spent years, literally years in the field to just waiting catch a that. few glimpses of something. Yeah, waiting for that one moment. Um, and a big regret now that I think people have that they were, again, misses this opportunity is you got drones, you got GoPros, you got right. camera phones. You're and like, correct. I didn't have any of that stuff. You yeah. know, I just had to watch what was going on. I think also, uh, and, so, I think also though, no, go ahead, like, cause there's always, there's always a caveat when you, when you talk about these things, because, um, I'm, I'm going to try and play a little devil's advocate. I agree with, with both of you in terms of you need to be out into the wild. But if you look at the way budgets are made for a lot of scientists, for a lot of graduate students these days and, and people who are studying science, you know, either you're you're traveling somewhere because it's not you're in your home area. Say you live in in the Midwest or you live in you know Central Canada, wherever you are. But you so you have two weeks to grab as much data as possible, and then you come home. And then, or if you even if you live on the coast, you got boat time for like maybe a week, maybe two weeks. You grab your data, you come home, and you process, and you hope to God that you have everything you need to to have. It's very right. rare now that you have the time to go out unless you live along the area you study, which I highly recommend 
you know, to be a, like to be almost a naturalist. There was actually a podcast I was listening to a while ago uh, where uh, the 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 person who was who was like she she had become a scientist, but while she was in her graduate degree, uh, her supervisor was like, "You need to be a naturalist. Like if you're out in a river, correct, right, and you're correct. out, you know, surveying yep. fish." You need to look around and you need to know the plants, you need to know the trees, you need to know the birds, you need to know the insects, mm-hmm. the amphibians. You need to be almost like a naturalist to really get the full breadth of what you're seeing and what you're observing. And then you can include that into your conclusions and, and interpretations and everything like that. But I feel like it's it's people are set up to fail in this kind of way because... I don't know, and, and I may be mistaken, but I don't know how, if people have that time to go out and spend but, the months here, and the years. Here, and here's the difference, Andrew. Here's the difference, okay? Dave was six years old, and he knew he wanted to study sharks. So he got into free diving and spearfishing right. and getting in the water and staring at yeah. sharks every second he could. Mm-hmm. Then he became a scientist. Today, you have these fucking kids, and I'm going to rant because this upsets me, who are like, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I kind of like sharks. I've never seen one in the wild, but I'm going to go get a degree and become an expert in sharks, even though I only made that decision at age 27 because I kind of like sharks. Right. Not because I've grown up and I'm obsessed with fucking sharks. I spend every spare minute of my time looking at sharks or frogs or turtles or salamander. It doesn't matter what the hell it is. But those are the people that used to lead our scientists. It's True. the people that were fanatically passionate yeah. about spending time around these animals. And I know, and I can speak from the heart, because I'm fanatically passionate mm-hmm. about spending time around wildlife. Mm-hmm. And so that's the only reason I became a scientist and got a degree in biology is because I was so fanatically passionate. And the second I got out of school, I got back into spending time with animals because I was so obsessed with right, them. Right. And today, mm-hmm. what I've seen, and Dave, you've had a lot of grad students, so maybe you can speak on this. But I see all these kids who are like, lost and they're like i don't really know what i want to do i've got my undergraduate degree it's like a generic biology degree or generic mm-hmm. you know whatever environmental science degree i'm going to go become a shark scientist i'm going to go become a turtle scientist or whatever scientist and then they become this this expert on paper and they have no fucking passion for the for the species or the topic mm-hmm. they just do it cuz they're lost they kind of like the animal which is great i'm not not hating on that but they're yeah. not fanatically passionate about seeing well, that animal they're not going to put themselves in discomfort. They're not going to put themselves in harm's way. They're not going to spend 300 nights in a tent to see this thing every single day and go, oh my God, that was the greatest experience of my life. They're not even going to spend a week in a tent because they don't (laughs) care that much. They just want to sit in a lab or read a fucking book. Woo! Uh, You know, I I tell... Where you go, buddy? I, it's like you know. I tell, I, I tell, I tell grad students that this is going to be the best time you're ever going to enjoy enjoy your your research because you're not you're not you're not uh, hampered by bureaucratic bullshit basically right. and you can right. go out and spend i mean and again and part of this is my own experience but like and again you get you guys have heard me tell this story certainly on my podcast but you know i would go off when i was living in africa i went off to this i went off to namibia i would go for 10 weeks and i'd literally like just tell everybody like i'm going to be gone for 10 weeks if you don't hear from me in 12 weeks send somebody to look for me exactly. and we'd go on up the I fucking know, skeleton coast Yep. You, and you know exactly. We we I mean we literally lived out in the desert. We right. literally caught fish to eat. Once in a while, we'd run over a, a bush buck and and accidentally kill it, and then we'd eat that for dinner. Accidentally and then, um, for dinner, yeah, I know ac- all about it. Accidentally, <laughs> and so um, I mean that's how we live. We're and again, if you if the Skeleton Coast, for those that know, it's one of the most remote areas in the world, and it yep. gets it's called the Skeleton Coast for a reason. 
Right. And nobody at that time had ever explored sharks up that coast. And we literally went as far up the coast as we could, yeah. just surveying to see what sharks we could find. I mean, it was just, I mean, we'd go like, you know, a week or so, you know, our, our, the only way we'd bathe would be just to like jump in the ocean, get wet, bathe, jump back in the ocean, wash off. And that would be, and we literally, there was nothing. Yeah, there you go there. You, just, you yeah. get a sense there's of what it's like. I mean, there's, there's not even a tree. There is sand yeah. in the yeah. ocean. By the way, for those so of you... So it's like a desert that comes up to the, the ocean. Yeah. There are, yeah. It's, it, 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 you get... No, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead for, no, no, go ahead. So you get all these boats. You see these boats. They, they all, all these boats washed up on the beaches there because of the shifting sand. That's where it gets the name the Skeleton Coast. And it's just an inhospitable part of the world. But, um, you know, I just had some of the most incredible experiences. You know, you're sitting there at night having a fish you just caught, and you're watching the sun set on the ocean there in the Atlantic, and you see right at the end that green flash comes up. Mm. And I'm, I don't know if you've ever seen, if you've ever experienced that, but it's one of the most, it, it's it's magic the first time when you see that. It's just like, you know, you have to either be in the yeah. desert or out there. You, you're usually in the desert yeah. out in the ocean. There can't be any light out there. And it's, it's, it's one of those life moments you just think, God, it's great to be here. I wouldn't be anywhere else in the world. And it's just, yeah. you, just how many, you can Google it. You can Google yeah. it and you can see it right there. You don't need to <laughs> right. be. You don't even have the to be uncomfortable. That's right. But Dave, yeah. Dave, and I don't want to harp on this all podcast. How many you've had, yeah. what, dozens of grad students under you now, if not more? Right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Hundreds. Uh, how many of yeah, your grad yeah. students, and I'm not trying to point fingers or name names, mm. would actually be willing to do what you did on the Skeleton Coast? And not because they were being paid to do it, but because they had such a passion for sharks that they didn't mm -hmm. give a shit that they weren't bathing and that they were mostly eating sand and that there were scorpions everywhere. <laughs> and the list goes on and on. How many kids yeah. today would actually do that yeah. out of passion? Boy, I'd say a handful. You know, I'd say a handful. Yeah, would. Yeah. A few. You, right. you get some. I agree. You get some. But those are the handful that should be in charge. I agree. Some. Yeah. But now it's this yeah. big thing where so many people have access to it. And yet the ones well, it, there should be like a initiation process. Like once you get your PhD or something where it's like, okay, six months in a tent, you come back from that. You, 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 you yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. You get your well, doctorate. Uh, <laughs> well, it's kind of like a survive, kind of like a survival mission to, to, to get through, to get through some of that stuff. But you learn, you learn the thing is the education you get out of that, you can't get in a classroom at all. No doubt. Right. And of just, just the experiences. And then y'all, you know, the other thing too, is you'll learn a lot about yourself. Like, yeah. you know, can I really do this? Can I really, uh, again, you, you know, Forrest, you're, I know your background, you, you grew up in the bush basically, but that, that, that sort of primal feeling that like, I, I did this and I survived. It's kind of, you right. have that feel. I did, I can, I can do this. I can do this. And it was just. confidence to then do the next one and the next thing and push the envelope a little bit further and mm -hmm. be a little bit bolder. And, you know, sometimes those lines get a little muddy and things go wrong. But the point is when you do that, you, you're then able to push it further and figure out, okay, well, we did this trip. Here's where I messed up. Here's where I can mm -hmm. find more information or find the species I didn't get catalog or whatever it happens to be. And uh, anyway, you get, you get the point. The yeah. point is, I think that something has been lost and I don't know how to fix it. I'm not offering a solution yeah. here, but something has been lost Agreed. in the way yeah. that like sort of modern science is conducted. 
I will say yeah, no, I will it, say that a lot of our uh, Brosners, because I talked to quite a bit, few of them, even Drew, the guy who's doing the iNaturalist segment. Yeah, he's great. He, like these are mm. people who are, I feel like in that hand. There's a lot of them that are in that handful that that are super incredibly passionate about going out there. Like Drew is just basically driving across the country, just like yeah. In that, researching shit because that's what he wants to do, you know. Yeah. And it's it mm-hmm. it is cool to kind of have this sort of a platform to bring those people together, not just with us, but with other people th- that are just like that too, you know. Because you can make outside of outside of the academic uh, portion of it these days, you can make a huge impact with things like YouTube mm-hmm. podcasts and and other media well, that way just by gathering together with like-minded people and, and power in numbers kind of thing. So, well, one, one thing, one thing I was kind of fortunate about, and again, Forrest can really relate to this is in California, you don't have as much opportunity to do, to go exploring like the skeleton coast. When I went to Africa, boy, it was a whole different thing. Then it was just like, well, where you, we can go here and go to, you know, go to these different places that, that nobody had really ever been to. And you just you just find some out of the way places. Whereas California's a little not that it's impossible, but you just don't have that same. You can't drive for like, you know, f- you know, five hundred kilometers and not see anybody. I'll tell right. you why it's I not disagree. Happening. I'll tell you why I disagree, Dave. The ocean in okay. California, and I'm very lucky. I've been to so many beautiful oceans around the world. The ocean in California is one of the greatest oceans on the planet. I don't care who you are. I don't care what argument you have. It is a goddamn fact that our ocean here in California, the marine life is one of the most exciting in the world. Now, it's not always easy, right? It's not the Bahamas where it's 85 degrees and crystal clear every day. (laughs) It's cold. It's mean. It's stormy. There's big toothy critters Mm. in there. But I don't agree with you because if you have that sense of adventure and that passion, and and this is from personal experience. That ocean yeah. is right in our backyard, and it is filled mm-hmm. with so much adventure, and you don't have to drive oh, okay. far. You can go right off the pier in any city in California and be like, oh, my God, this is a whole different world. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Oh, no, no. I, I guess, I guess you know, I, I agree with that. There's, we, we've got an amazing ocean out there. There's plenty of stuff to study out here. I'm just saying as far as the going out, the thing like in Namibia and some place in Africa where you just go, you don't, you don't see anybody for long Remotes. stretches. Immediately, yeah. immediately. You know, go out here. It's, it, yeah, it's phenom- we have a phenomenal ocean here. We're very fortunate just to have. Because you go from Northern California to Southern California, you got the islands. You got yeah. just a range of yeah. uh, habitats to, to to learn from. And I was I felt fortunate that I grew up diving in cold water because then yeah. when I go to the tropics, it's like it's like a pleasure because I grew up totally. diving <laughs> in jacuzzi. fifty degree water. <laughs> yeah, it's like a yeah. it's like a jacuzzi. You go to the warm places. Um, but yeah, no, I, there's a there's. A lot of cool stuff. In California, well, you can go. Diving, in California, you can go diving and go to Jack in the Box afterwards for lunch if you want. Exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's no remote. <laughs> yeah. And then skiing. And then skiing. And then yeah. Skiing yeah. The same day. <laughs> yeah. I dove all weekend. I was offshore this weekend. I was chasing tuna around. Mm-hmm. We got a couple nice fish, and uh, we were way offshore. We were about 50 miles east of Catalina, to give you a rough idea where we are, out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, when we're tuna hunting, we're looking for foamers, which are where the tuna are boiling or breezers where you can see the water pattern changing. And every now and then we see a kelp patty, which is a free floating bit of kelp that has been torn off of the seafloor and is washed out to sea. And they act like fads, fish attracting devices. Right. Mm-hmm. And Dave, I know mm-hmm. you know this. And Andrew, I know you know this. I'm just explaining to yeah. our, our listeners. Um, and so you get these little beacons of life in otherwise a desert, which is what the big blue open ocean is when you get away mm-hmm. from the coasts. 
And anyway, that's a lot of setup to tell you that on Saturday, Friday, I was out there. I saw Patty, had a single turn sitting on it. And I'm like, yeah, let's jump in. Maybe there'll be a yellowtail or Dorado. I'll shoot that. And, you know, we'll have a nice dinner out of it. Hopped in the water and it was beautiful. It was big mola, big, like 300 pound mola. It's a big school of bait Mm -hmm. fish. There was jack mackerel and sardines swimming around. And just as I was about to get out of the water, because there were no game fish, I look and go, oh, there's something coming out of the murk. And sure enough, a nice little Mako shark came cruising Mm. in on me under this kelp. Peter, you would have loved this. This one is in about 3,000 feet of water, just so you know the depth (laughs) we were in. Um, Yeah, that'd have been real fun. (laughs) Yeah, and this Mako shark came cruising in. And uh, it's I have seen Makos in California before, but typically I kind of hightail it out of the water when I do see them. Um, Not in a panicked Mm. way, but like, oh, there's a Mako on this patty. Let's not stick around. This Mako was only about five feet long. And a little spicy, but not aggressive. <laughs> Just sort of arching his back a little bit like, hey, hey, what are you doing on my patty? And I got to spend a good, not long, three minutes with that Mako swimming around on that mm-hmm. patty. And it was really fun to see. So did you nice. think, like, that, did you look see, at it? Like, like, did you say, I'm, I can take this? I can take this guy? Is that what you looked at for a Mako? No, no. I can take this guy if he attacks. I can get him. <laughs> Dude, uh, so I dove with Makos in New Zealand with, I'm sure Dave knows this guy, Riley Elliott. Um, I, I did uh, I did Makos with with Riley in New Zealand, and we had Makos from about about that size, about four or five feet, all the way up to like 12, 12, 13 footers. And the little ones are way scarier. They're like they're they're like they're like mm. a they're like a teenager, right. right? It's like I'm tough, I'm young, I think I can Sporadic. take on the world. Yeah. The big ones are like, look, if I'm gonna fuck you up, you're you're gonna die. But the little <laughs> ones are, but they're like, but I don't need to. I've been right. around the block. I, I I know I'm the boss. The little ones are there mm-hmm. to like prove a point. And uh, at least <laughs> from my experience, yeah, they got a chip on their shoulder. And that was different because, and Dave can speak to this with mackerel sharks, you know, they're always competing and, and the most dominant ones highest up in the water column, so on and so forth. But mm-hmm. this was, so that's when I experienced like nasty little kind of shitty Makos in New Zealand. I say shitty, it was still an amazing experience. They mm-hmm. were just jerks. <laughs> this Mako was all alone on this patty. He wasn't competing with anybody except for me. Right. So he came in to be like, mm-hmm. hey, what are you doing on my patty? And they eat sea lions, as, as we all know. So, you know, he probably was like, hmm, is this a little snack coming in here? And then as soon as he realized mm-hmm. I wasn't a snack, which was probably before I even knew he was there, he was totally fine. <laughs> right. And so he just sort of patrolled yeah. around and just kind of kept an eye on me going, you know, like, what, what, what are you doing over here, fella? And it was nice. I just had this very peaceful, like, three-ish minute interaction with this little little Mako, um, which was really fun. Well, you, well, you know, it was probably as interesting that, that Mako was probably swimming around um, watching you for probably like 30 minutes before he even like decided to show totally. himself to you. Totally. Totally. You know, I mean, they, they, that's, the, yeah. Yeah. Because I know so, guys, I know. Uh, so go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so uh, all this shark talk, and I've got like a stupid, I've got like a dumb question. It, it might be dumb. You tell me. But what <laughs> makes a shark a shark like what are the features because there's so many different species of shark that look so drastically different looking like fish and other sea mammals what what makes a shark a shark it it, it, it has a cartilaginous skeleton that separates it from all the other oh. fishes it has a cartilage okay skeleton. very simple people, yeah it's really it's a simple yeah, it's pretty simple they have cartilaginous cell that cards i can tell you they've been around for 400 million years and blah 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 but they're the big difference trees, between peter Sharks yeah, are that's crazy. They, the, the biggest thing is that they have cartilaginous skeleton versus all the other most 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 fish have a, a, a bony bony skeleton. 
okay. they have a they have a collar. And that's why I tell I tell people like we talk talk about like sharks rays because rays completely get lost in the whole shuffle at all. But rays are really if you just take a shark and you flatten it, that <laughs> it, it when you roll and the gills put the gills under its head. That's that's just a flat shark is what a ray is. Because it's I, got I the, to use a, the same exoskeleton. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And I and I just I try and, and rays are actually more diverse than the sharks, but I it's one of these sort of I hate to say marketing things, but if you talk to people about flat sharks, people perk up. But if you talk about rays, they just kind of look at you like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> so a lot of it. So I try to use terms like like flat sharks or the other ones ghost sharks because it's another group. They're also called chimeras or ratfish. Mm-hmm. But if you say ratfish or chimeras, nobody, nobody pays attention. But you say totally. you say totally. you say ghost shark. I mean, I, I've had audiences just enthralled by watch talk, talking about ghost sharks because I'm using the term ghost shark. And they, yeah. get, right. they really this come out good, informed about this. This is a good – it's the third one, Kyle, just there so you go. know. That's a ghost shark. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, exactly what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right. This is actually a really good segue for a little game. Okay? Right. And Dave's going to go first, and then I'm going to go, and then Andrew's going to go, and that's going to give Peter enough time to Google something. All right. We're going to play <laughs> I a game. I need to Google one too. I don't know. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Most underrated shark and why? Okay, oh. we're talk Shark Week. We said they don't do it very often. All right, Peter's googling like crazy. Mute yourself, Peter. Um, and, it's a uh, joke. Dave. I wasn't googling. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Dave, why don't you go first? Most underrated shark and why? I would just say what I just said. Bat sharks. You pick okay. pick a ray. Yeah. Bat rays. Skates. Bat pick rays. any. I mean, I, okay. I bat rays. You know, they're common out here. They're they're. Uh, you know they're they're, they're very cost, especially in the Give islands. Us a California bat ray, Kyle. California bat ray. There you go. There they're you go. Lovely. They're very gentle. Yeah, they're really I common. They're yeah, really common. They're I look at them when I'm hunting halibut because they bury themselves yeah. in the sand where halibut like to be. Beautiful yeah, to a see. Cool looking creature. Yeah, and it looks the, like and a yet, seabird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does. And they're, they're, some of these, these are just like majestic <laughs> to see. I know they're so cute. They're majestic to see swimming. They're just absolutely. Beautiful. I could watch rays. You can almost like film rays and like put on some new age music and sit back with a glass of wine. And just be like, oh, it's been a, yeah. you know, fuck today. It's nice. I'm watching my rays swim across the TV and have a little, Hell yeah. you know, there you go. Merlot or something. It's just, when it's we just all, totally when we chilly all make out. our millions from Dave's shark series, we'll all get ray tanks in our mansions. How does that sound? <laughs> that, sounds great. Just, that was right. one of the things that I wanted to do when I was a kid. I was big into like marine aquarium hobby and I wanted to get a stingray as cool. uh, in the aquarium. Then I realized how difficult it would be to get actually a stingray. <laughs> and they, they sold them, but they, they didn't, they needed like a really like, you need a really big bottom. The rectangular ones yep. just didn't work for it. Yep. So, yeah. so it was yep. a little more difficult. Yeah, so, I, I had just simple clownfish, a puffer fish, and a damsel, which is the angriest <laughs> fish that you can get. In a, the angriest yeah. but most hardiest fish yes. you can have in your home saltwater tank. Yeah. And they all still just died constantly. I had Kyle, to give up. Kyle, dear producer Kyle, and we, we will continue this game in a second, yeah, was bitten by a damble, damselfish yesterday. Kyle, pop on for a second. Kyle is getting <laughs> his scuba certification right now, and he texted me earlier today and said, this motherfucking Garibaldi bit me today. <laughs> and I've yep. never heard of that. I've been in the ocean in California more days oh, than he really got in you. 15 years. Look at that. Wow. He got a Garibaldi bite on his scuba cert the other yep. day, which... Uh, 
is absolutely hilarious because if you don't know, uh, pull up a picture. Cal, go away again and pull up a picture <laughs> of a Garibaldi so people can see. They're like the goldfish of California's ocean. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how someone gets bitten by one, I don't know. Maybe it's your weird mustache, Cal. I don't know what you did. But <laughs> that's what it looks like him, a goldfish. Peter, there you, so you know. Yeah. Wow, yeah, <laughs> um, it looks exactly like a goldfish. Um, Thanks for showing us that, Kyle. I think that story is hilarious. All right, I'm up next for most underrated shark. Uh, Dave and I actually put together a show on these guys, amongst several others. And since that, I've just had this this, uh, this fascination with these creatures. And I'll preface it by saying this. I probably have a stronger passion for freshwater fishes than marine fishes. I just am obsessed with them. I think it's because I grew up in Zimbabwe, which has such a high diversity of them. I love the ocean, don't get me wrong, but I'm just so interested in freshwater fish. And to my knowledge, for like my entire youth, there was only one shark that went into freshwater, and that was the bull shark. And then, I think slightly before Dave and I started talking, but that definitely reinvigorated it, we started talking about glyphus which are river sharks specifically from Australia and New Guinea. And Kyle will pull up a picture here in a second. And I just went to myself, holy crap, there's like a whole group and not a lot of them. I think there's three or correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, three or four um, of these glyphus, which are these bizarre looking sharks. Some of them with these big sort of, yeah, that guy right there, the elephant trunk looking Mm, one right there. Um, And these glyphus go into the rivers of Australia and Papua New Guinea. And they're like a bull shark. But they're not very aggressive. They're not very mean. And yet they're going way up these rivers and estuaries. And I just, they're just, why Why don't we have a whole show on river sharks? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I oh, think yeah. that would freak yeah, out all try. freshwater pe- people who live around the freshwater areas. I think it would freak well, But isn't that what Discovery is yeah, always you trying think to of do? Scare freak the everybody heck out? out? That sounds perfect. Did you, yeah. Did you ever hear oh, the, the ad well, that the that Shark Week tried to do one one year? Uh, I forget it was a, it was a number of years ago, but they tried to make it look like somebody had discovered a shark or there was a shark that attacked in the Great Lakes, like in Lake Ontario. It was a big commercial that yeah. was shown around Ontario. Oh, wow. People were just freaked out and being like, it was like one <laughs> of those Blair shark. Witch type of, uh, type totally. of like scenery. Totally. And you're just kind of <laughs> like, oh, like, what is that? I don't understand. And the thing just pops out that you just, it just cuts. And, you're, and everybody's uh, like, was that a shark? And <laughs> then genius. just on Facebook, it was just all about it. And just, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got to do something like I, that, man. That's how I, you make know, a viral leader. No, stop being a sensationalized <laughs> I've actually, jerk. I've actually, I say, I've actually discovered a new species of shark while we're filming Shark Week in Japan a few years ago, and like they just had did. like no interest in it. No interest. Yeah. It no was, interest. They're like, yeah, cool. Yeah, really. Well, we got goblin sharks. That's what we're here for. And stuff. So, well, there's a whole new species of shark. Yeah. Okay. Great. We're we're here to do the goblin shark. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Like, it's crazy the opportunities crazy. that they had, and they just like, yeah. This is what people. Oh, yeah. 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 Do they just go with what people I, want? I'm gonna. I'm going to try not to like hurt my entire career here. When Dave and I went to (laughs) South Africa to do land of lost sharks, we went there with this goal. (laughs) Yeah, there were, there were actually four (laughs) lost sharks. Right. And we're like, if we get any Mm -hmm. of them, it'll be huge. Right. If we just get one, that'll be an epic show. And Uh we ended up getting three. Now, one of which we caught on a bruv, one of which we caught on a hook and line. And the third of which is a flat shark that we got on um, (laughs) a from a citizen scientist, a scuba diver. And when we turned in the first cut, I don't think I ever told you this, Dave, the network came back and we're like, uh, you know, we really like the one where you get it on the camera and the one where you catch on the hook and line, but we probably just don't need that other one in the show. And I like, oh man, I stormed around the office. I called my business partner. I screamed. I screamed at my wife like it was her fault. You name it. I was angry. 
And, uh, and and it was just because it was a flat shark, aka a stingray, yeah, and uh, or a ray mm-hmm. rather, and um, and we hadn't found it. It came from a citizen scientist. Anyway, I very eloquently and very calmly presented my argument for why it was important and why citizen science is so important. Right. Why this is a historic discovery because the whole world hasn't seen this lost flat shark. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess you can keep it, you know? And that was it. Like that was it. It was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, and I was yeah. like, oh my God. I like, I just like couldn't even believe that that was part of the conversation, but yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's akin to me. That's akin to me getting very excited about some technological advancement and then telling you about it. And you, yeah. you're like, like, oh, dude, did you know that with text messages, you can now send voice clips? Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> I mean, that's what you're dealing with there. You're, yeah, you're but, talking yeah. to somebody who has no idea, totally but, different industry. Correct. But the correct. thing is, but the thing is, it's, it's, it's Shark Week. And you think like if you're out there filming and even so you're looking for whatever else you're looking for, you find a new species of shark or shark <laughs> you haven't seen in 40 years. You'd think, right. like, hey, that, that's pretty damn exciting. No, just yeah, that phrase alone. Tweet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like. All right. Bro, it's brocaster. Like, yeah. Oh, sorry, Dave. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's I was going to say, Brocaster, Dave, Andrew, you are up. Most underrated shark. And why? I, I'm going to say, like, these, this shark uh, is like under our noses. We see them all the time, like diving and stuff like that. But I find them absolutely fascinating. And it's the nurse shark. I just think cool. the mm, way like they that. look, mm. the fact that you can. I've gone scuba diving with them and, and just the look, yeah, the way they eat, like it's almost like a suction. It's It's like a really cool species to, and they, yeah, then you see them in schools. Like they look like star Wars spaceships. Kyle, go to my Instagram. If you don't mind, go to my third post, like two or two posts ago, in other words. Um, and you'll see, I put up a photo where I'm holding this nurse shark, mm-hmm. and my caption literally says, "Is this?" I think I wrote like, "Is this a Star Wars spaceship?" Because yeah. their morphology <laughs> looks like something out of Star Wars. They don't even look like a real like. Look at that yeah. thing. That doesn't look like an animal. Look, no. It looks like, it's a, like a sperm space cruiser. <laughs> it looks like a sperm. Yes. Sperm. You're a sperm. Um, <laughs> just a little bit with wings, but I just a bit like a jumbo yeah. jet too with a tail. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. somebody, uh, go to the, look at the comments there, Kyle. I forget who it was. Somebody said, we won't go off. Steve Backshall said something about me being too young. And then he said, looks like a Thunderbird two. And I meant to Google it. I'm looking on my phone now. Can you Google Thunderbird two while we're here? Do you guys know what that is? Do you know what that is, Dave? It's gotta be a plane. No. Oh my gosh. It yeah. does kind of look like that. It really <laughs> does kind of no. look like that. Um, wow. that's hilarious. Yeah. That's a good pick. Oh, that's man. a good pick. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, this is a game. This is a competition. I'm about to blow everybody (laughs) out of the water, even the shark expert. Um, So the Greenland shark, size of a great white, size of a great white, has developed a biological antifreeze in their skin to help them survive the temperatures. Flesh is poisonous. Mm -hmm. So, and the biggest thing, there was a case of a Greenland shark that ate a reindeer, and they regularly. Are predators to polar bears. What I mean, else does Wikipedia say, Peter? <laughs> no, no, this is Vice.com. But I, I'm still giving the information. Well, I'm no, like, it's like a dinosaur. They're also That's average like 150 thing. years old, isn't it? Or they or yeah. they reach sexual maturity so at 150 yeah. years old or it, something like that? That's bonkers. It's, yeah, so it's a little it's, yeah, it's a little it, yeah, they get old. Like they get old. There's some little question about the exactly, but it, it's you know. 100, 150 is probably not unrealistic. The 500 years you hear is 
might be yeah. a little bit of a stretch based on the uh, stuff. But you know, the interesting thing with these sharks, the Greenland sharks and the Pacific sleeper sharks, is they will sit under the you know the, the seals in the in the in the Arctic will have these holes they'll go in and out of. They'll sit under yeah. there and wait for yeah. seals to come through the ice and they'll nail them. Just and so sometimes perfect. when seals are seals are getting away from polar bears, this is crazy. They're getting away from polar bears. They'll go into one of these holes to get into the water, and there's a Greenland shark breast right there, just gobbles them Seals up. Have no <laughs> right chance. into the mouth. In the yard, they have yeah. no chance. I mean, like, they are just. Well, that's what you get for being a swimming meat sausage. And that's what they are. They're like, <laughs> know, they're like right? swimming calorie sausages. Like, I would eat a seal tomorrow if I was on <laughs> the ocean. They're just balls of energy. That's, that's what they yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. There's so yeah. much yeah. energy wrapped up in there. Like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the oh, only yeah, thing yeah. they can do is just fucking. I mean, they, they, they don't have any defenses except for running away right well they've got claws and stuff they can can, like like that they dig through the ice and things like that but they're super agile too right like they're yeah you know even when we were talking to chris uh, fallows today when we did our interview um he was talking about how like he's he's actually witnessed you know seals like like literally balance on the on the nose of a great white as they're trying to eat them white just shot. be like nope <laughs> you're not getting yeah, me that's crazy. crazy it's insane that's cool. like and they're talking about how they're bouncing around and there's like you know more than one white shark trying to get them yeah you know like i honestly like after hearing that i walked down my hallway and i stubbed my toe three times like there's no way i would survive <laughs> a, 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 a shark attack if if you yeah. know if i was that seal there's no way like the, the agility agility me. is yeah. not our superpower oh, as humans yeah. wow. here, here you go that, that's yeah that's, this is some of christmas stuff he, he was telling me some of these young seals he told us today that sometimes a seal trying to get to the get onto like uh, seal island they'll have to dodge three four five sharks to get there so this they have to run wow. this whole gauntlet just to get out of the water onto the island after swimming out to feed and it's yeah, crazy what they have to go thing. through that is oh, yeah. 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 Do you think they remember? Yeah. Do you think they remember? Or do they just by 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 nature? Because yeah. otherwise they'd all commit suicide. They just forget <laughs> at the end of every day, like what they no. have to, what they dealt with. I don't with think so. I don't day. think so. No. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think they, they get it. Yeah, they learn and yeah. go. Woo! Today's Very gonna stressful. suck. Let's make the swim <laughs> for it. Yeah. Very you know, stressful. Well, the, other, the other interesting observation he says: the seals don't just swim flat out for the thing. What they do is they'll get behind the white shark, just behind the gills, so the shark, when it turns, it can't bite them. Yeah. And they'll just, like, mm. do this and the, until the shark gets kind of tired out, and then the shark will just kind of peel yeah. off. But they have to stay – they don't try – because they're not going to outrun the shark. If they try to outswim right. it, it's not going to happen. They're just so they get behind smart. it. Interesting. Yeah. Imagine just like, if and, that's how you made your living. You're like, yeah, you want to go out and fish today? Sure. I'm just going to, like – See that see that field of lions? I'm just gonna stay right by its mane where yeah. it can't see me. And then, you know, as soon yeah. as it's bored of me, I'll go out and hunt and then we'll do that again to go back home. Like, yeah. sound good? You in? Very yeah, stressful. Okay, let's go. Yeah, that's Very a nice stressful little day. day. Nice little day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice little Saturday. Oh man. Okay. So okay. we play a game on this podcast every episode. It's called the Battle Royale. Uh-oh. Now we'd have a jingle. Battle Royale. Okay, so the Battle Royale is this, gentlemen. We are going to what? each pick something. We're going to go in a snake draft fashion. And we're going to, which means uh, I'll go first. Well, let's go Dave first, then me, then Andrew, and then Peter, and then Peter goes back and so on, back and forth. Snake draft, okay? The Battle Royale is this. 
Because it is Shark Week and we have two sharky guests on, we are going to do an ultimate shark battle royale. You are going to pick three features from any shark and combine them to make the coolest, meanest, toughest, cutest, sweetest, whatever you like shark. (laughs) And the the brosters are going to weigh in and vote whose shark creation is the best. But it has to be a shark feature. Has to be a shark. It has to feature. be a shark feature. So you could take the speed of a mako, yeah. the head of a hammerhead, the fins of a bull shark, you name it, or the aggression of a bull shark, you name it, and put it together to make this concoction, this Franken shark that the bo- Brosners are going to weigh in and tell us who won, and hopefully it's one of you guys. Um, so, <laughs> Dave, why don't you go first? Okay. So it's snake draft. So you're going to pick whatever you like: head, body, speed, fins, okay. whatever you like okay. first. And just go one pick at a time, and we'll go down the line. Okay. I want so, okay. Speed of a mako shark. Okay, that's simple. How about tell us about that? Yeah. Paint a picture. Well, well, something that's sleek, fast, and um, yeah, it's sleek and it's very fast and it's very agile. What's a mako's top speed, Dave? You know, like I've heard 40, anything from like forty-three or 40, something. What is it? Yeah, forty. I've heard. Different thing, 40, 40, 43, 46. 45, 46. That's, that's very fine. Average or, or 31 just, miles an hour. Oh, okay. miles an hour. They're, they're fast. fast. Okay, speed of a Mako. Yeah. All right, okay. nice. I'm glad you didn't take mine off the list. I said this on your guys' podcast. My number one shark to ever encounter and work with is the sawfish. So I'm going to take the rostrum mm. of a sawfish. That is the first thing Kyle's going to pull up a picture You're here. You're going for the slashing type. Take, Yep, I'm going. I'm putting that. I'm putting a chainsaw on the front end of my shark. Right. Nothing you can do about it. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's pretty obvious why. I mean, just look at that damn thing. Yeah. So, uh, Andrew, you're up. What's your pick? I'm gonna go. Just what what Dave was mentioning earlier is the uh, the jaw speed. I guess you would call it of of the goblin shark. Nice. If you want to like grab that. something, you gotta grab it quick. There you go. Okay. Nice. It's a good. It's, these are good picks, Peter. What you got? Yeah. Am I going for two here? Yeah. You're going for two. All right. So uh, my my first pick, uh, just because, you know, I'm not really too into fighting, but if I'm in the ocean, I definitely want to, like, see things. I want to I wanna look around. I want to be aware of my surroundings and look at all the majestic, beautiful things. I'm picking the 360-degree vision of a hammerhead shark as okay. my first ability. It's also a great defensive uh, tactic if I want to get out of there. My second... My second. Are you going just so I understand, so we can paint a picture here for Dave Sunshine, who's going to draw these up? Are you have putting the head of a hammerhead shark? The head in the eyes. Head in the eyes. Okay, which yeah. includes the vision. Got it. Got it. Got it. Great. Um. Now, all sharks I've just recently read are <laughs> able to get impregnated by mul- multiple mates, and I just want to be clear that that that's all around. Every we all have that ability, so I just want that to be known. <laughs> Second of all, your pick is (laughs) my second pick is going to be I'm playing very defensive here. I I already mentioned it, but the Greenland, the Greenland shark. um, So that I can. What's that? What? What? The what of a Greenland? shark? No, I'm telling you, calm down. Don't interrupt. Very excited. (laughs) I, I will. Here it is again. This beautiful creature. Not only do I have the ability to live very long, again, defensive, think defense, I have the ability to scurry away into the Arctic where no other shark can mm. traverse. 
Hmm. So, so sort of your cold adaptations. Yeah. My special nice. ability. Gotcha. Very nice. Very nice. Cold adaptations of a Greenland shark. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, all right, Andrew, you're up for another pick. I'm going to go with the, uh, the, the tail of a thresher shark because it's nice Ooh, to okay. bat something out of a school of fish or something like that. And then you pick it up with the jaw, the speed of the jaws. So they have, the fish have no chance of uh, nice. getting that. It's a very competitive shark. Yeah. Very agile. I like it. Yeah, These are all I like features it. I don't have, by the way, speed. I don't have any of those features in real life. <laughs> you don't so. have a very long tail. I don't have a long tail. Your toe three I have times. a big butt, but I don't have a long tail. So we'll go with that. <laughs> very good. Okay. So I've got the rostrum of a sawfish. I am going to take... The anoxic abilities of an epaulette shark, and we should circle back to that too, meaning I can walk out of the water if I want to onto the reef and survive very harsh conditions of a walking shark or an epaulette shark. Look at you. Man, that's a good one. Yep. So that He's way, when been global studying warming for this all in, week because he knew you were you, coming I on. have. Yeah, I've been working on this every day. When global warming kicks in, you guys are all going to die, and I'm going to be chilling in a tide pool. No problem. But what happens if you get your um, rostrum stuck in a reef or something and you can't get out? You know, let's not get into the minutia of this, Andrew. <laughs> Looking at the holistic. Uh... <laughs> That's great because my um, final ability is reef creation. Oh, what shark yeah. has that? Okay. Uh, all right, Dave, you are up for okay. two. You've got the speed of a okay. Mako. Yeah. Okay. So I okay now just picking up. This is a. This is a. This. This is a a, 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 a kid friendly show, right? Just want to make sure. In a way, I mean, yeah, whatever, whatever you want to okay. say. Okay, yeah. whatever. Okay, hey, picking up picking up on Peter's thing about uh, 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 multiple paternity stuff. I, I want, uh, the shark. I wanted to have the the claspers of a, of a priapus cat shark. Wow. Okay. The, the claspers of a priapus cat shark are the longest claspers relative to the body of a shark of any known shark species. Is it so and a clasper is like an attack tool? No, it's it's, it's no, it's, penis it's, it's, it's it's the base. It's basically it's yeah. It's basically uh, so your you know, shark. Your shark. So it's, really it's, well it's, hung. it's a from a well hung shark. He's just to, very well hung. He's just very. No, well I get it. He's, he's specifically it. He's specifically well attacking me with the two penises. Well, right now he's basically the Hussein Bolt of sharks. Yeah, right? he's massive. <laughs> yeah. He's fast and he's exactly. like a horse. Okay, yeah. he's like he's a pretty cool. Great shark, analogy. Right? Um, all right. What, uh, Dave, round us out with your third and final ability from your sharks. Um, Mako hung like a, what was it? What was the name of the shark? A, a, a priapus cat shark. Priapus. Okay. I can't read my own hand right. I know it's a cat shark. Priapus yeah. cat shark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, um, uh, and I would say let's for some flashy kind of a going back to a seventies disco era, which I, I can recall quite vividly, unfortunately. Um, something with bioluminesc- bioluminescence. Mm. Okay. You're thinking a swell so you get, shark? If you get, I was thinking more like a lantern shark. Lantern shark. Very nice. Okay. So if you got if you know, if you got it, flaunt it. Yeah. So here here's Dave. There you he go. You can just swim a million miles an hour. Has is just hung like a horse and is glowing. Yeah, I mean, that is, <laughs> this, is a, this is a baby making shark. Are the claspers right here. growing? Is, glowing? Are the claspers glowing? Because that would be that's interesting. A good question. 
Sure. That is a good yeah, question. That, I think you got to keep the claspers yeah. hidden so that you can be you can no, be no. covert with what your intentions are. Okay. <laughs> well, seeing as everybody else's sharks are just a mess, mine included, I'm just going to add something to make mine dominate the other sharks in the pool here. I'm going to go generic. I'm going to go shark week. I've got the rostrum of a sawfish, the abilities of an epaulette. I'm putting all of that on the package of a great white shark's body. Oh, 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 come on. That's a good pick. That's a uh, good pick. Uh, I thought I was the layman. Uh, succumb to the dark side. Yeah. I have. I should have done something cool and I didn't. All right, Andrew, what, uh, what's your third and final ability here? I'm going to go with the ability to go into fresh water like a bull shark. Ooh, that's Cause, good. Because like you said, that's climate change is going to make it difficult uh, you know, just to, just to live and you got to be able to be adaptable. So you got to be able to hunt in both fresh and salt water. Sure. That's a good one. Sure. That is a good, a good one. one. All right, Peter, yeah. what do you got All for right. us? So, uh, to round out my fish, I will, he will have the, the ambush attack style of the cookie cutter shark, mm. which oh. also has the bioluminescence, but has this disgusting, vicious mouth. <laughs> That has razor sharp teeth that essentially clings on to my to my prey and rips out chunks of flesh. It's terrifying, yep. and it it'll be on the body of a Greenland shark. So oh, yeah. watch out. That's this a big has, chunk. That's a shark, big chunk. That is a big chunk. Shark, yeah, that's like a decapitator. The, Go ahead, Dave. The, 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 the cookie cutter has this has the largest teeth proportion to its body size of any shark. Oh, see? The bucktooth shark. Peter, you might have just come in with the W there. I rest my case. No knowledge. All right. So let's recap, bros. There's weigh in. Did Dave's concoction win, which has the glowing abilities of a lantern shark, the hemipeny, if you will, the the, the, uh, the hungness of a priapus cat shark (laughs) at the speed of a mako shark? Am I winning with my lame pick of a great white shark body, the rostrum of a sawfish, <laughs> and the walking abilities of an epaulette? Does Andrew take the cake with the jaw speed of a goblin shark, the tail of a thresher shark, and the bull shark's freshwater abilities? Or does Peter's menace win with the head of a hammerhead and vision, the cold adaptations and body of a Greenland shark, and the attack abilities of a cookie cutter shark? Saying that out loud, that's a uh, pretty that's a good unique looking there, shark, Peter. Yeah, it really is. Looking sharp. Um, it really is. Okay, so typically we we sort of start to wrap up the show at this point, but there's an, there's a reason I left this till the end because if Dave hates it, I'm just going to hang up and go cry before we out the show. So, this is, guys. I haven't actually announced this yet, so you're, we're in a very special place. By the time this comes out, people will know it, but they probably won't have seen the thing we're about to share. So Peter knows it. We've talked about it. Dave knows it because I worked with one of his grad students who was an absolute delight. And I have a new Shark Week show coming up on Wednesday. And that is Forrest Galante and the Island of the Walking Sharks, hence my pick for the epaulette shark. So we're going to stream the trailer. I'm going to watch your guys' faces. If you fall asleep or puke, I'm leaving. And if (laughs) you tell me anything but that it's fantastic, I'm going to be very offended. No, I want to see what you think in all seriousness. This is the trailer. We literally just finished cutting it today. So Kyle's going to stream it. And this is an exclusive for all the watchers on YouTube. If you're listening, go check it out on YouTube. Um, And uh, this is a first for you guys, Andrew and Dave. I'm super excited. This is awesome. Do you know this shark? 
You know it? You have it here? No, 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 I don't have it here. Okay. But if you want, I can take you. You can take me there now. So, was this part of the plan? Nope. All right. Watch your head, Mitchell. <laughs> Watch your head, Mitch. <laughs> wow! You've got tons of them. Have you ever seen this one come out of the water onto the rocks? Yes. These sharks have evolved the ability to belly crawl like a salamander out of the deep ocean into these tide pools. Wait, go back, go back. Hey, I think I see something. Whether this will work or not, I have absolutely no idea, but I think it looks cool. <laughs> watch out, Johnny, watch out. Oh. Hello. He's telling us to come. I need your help to find this. Recognize that book, Dave? Yeah, it's awesome. In the tide pool. There he goes. Look, 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 look. Do, do, do. Cliffhanger. That is awesome. <laughs> it's cool. fun. It's fun. Wow. Dave, what do you think? Cool. Awesome. Looks cool. Nice. It's there awesome. we go. That uh, looks so exciting. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. It was really fun. Yeah, it was fun to make. Cool. We were lucky. Um, we uh, it was sort of a roundabout way, but Dave's grad student, Vicky, who you see in that trailer knew our showrunner thomas uh from mm. something else i don't even know what else and so discovery really yeah. like vicky she's awesome. she had been on before she's super cool i'm yeah. sure you guys have had her on the show and stuff and um she came and uh she came with us for about a week of that expedition which was really fun um and then as soon as we basically left grid she took off home and uh it was fun we got to see these epaulette sharks you know we i can't say whether or not we captured the behavior that we set out to capture at this point sure but. seems like it from the trailer <laughs> well then that's, that's the teaser isn't it though um, so anyway i wanted to show it with you guys i thought it'd it, be man. fun cool. to share it with you guys nice dude time. so how how long were you in cool. the field for for that to get that footage and that uh, kind of stuff just under four weeks we were wow. there for uh yeah it was a long one we were with vicky yeah. for a week and then we stayed on for like another 20 days Oh, is that uh, why you were missing for so long when we were trying to record podcasts? You were out in the ocean there? You, you know that's why I was missing for so long. <laughs> I'm just reminding the brosters, don't hate Thanks. us because we don't have a podcast every week. Just <laughs> <laughs> glad the headhunters didn't find them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They tried. But, um, anyway, oh, we had a God. lot of fun. It, listen, it's been fun having you guys on the pod oh, tonight. Thanks. Thank you yeah. so much for coming Real on and doing a sharky podcast with us. Um Tell us a little bit about your podcast one more time where people can listen and it's all things shark, very sciencey, uh, but still a lot of fun. Yeah. Tell, tell us, Andrew, like a little bit about where people can tune in. Yeah. Beyond Jaws is the name of the podcast. Dave and I co-host. Uh, we do one every other week. We're about to launch our second year 
of uh, of episodes. We've done 26 so far. Uh, Force is going to be on on uh, Monday. Uh, like I said, right after this, go listen to ours. It's audio and we're on YouTube as well. Um, but essentially what we do is we talk to some, like shark scientists who have been in 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 shark science for as long as, as Dave has or even longer. And then uh, some people who are just graduate students and so forth and people who are just doing some cool things like Force. Uh, you know, all sorts of people who are just so passionate about sharks. We get a, a, a bit, there's always that, that, um, that little bit of like career advice type thing for a lot of people who want to get in shark mm-hmm. science uh, and, mm-hmm. and shark really just, good for our listeners. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun because everybody's yeah. always asking, like, how do you get into sharks? And, and, it, you know, does it always have to be a science point of view or, you know, can you do conservation mm-hmm. and not have to go to, you know, and it's all these different types of questions. And we always like to answer them just through examples. Yeah. And it's what we realize that even people who have done it for 30 years, they've, they've taken roundabout ways. You know what I mean? Like Dave is sort of the authority of lost sharks and he owned an aquaculture plant for uh, quite a, quite a long time, you know? So it's just like, it's just, you really get to see all these people who have been like the names in the published papers and people have kind of looked up to them and you realize that they, they also, they didn't have that straight path to being where they are. And, and so I think that really uh, personalizes everybody and brings them to the same level of being like, Oh, they struggled in certain times or they did this that actually built, Mm -hmm. help build their career. So um, it's always great to, to hear from, you know, straight from the, the, the horse's mouth, so to speak, or the scientist's mouth. And we, we just have some great (laughs) conversations and some great stories. So uh, check it out. You can check it out on all the favorite podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google podcasts, all of them there we're all we're all on there and we're yeah. going to be on youtube as well with with forces uh, yeah. uh interview as yeah. well as clips from that from that interview as well just want to say big, big for us you know the save our seas foundation has been our sponsor for the yeah. last year and then for this coming year and they just want to thank them for all of their support uh they, they've given us over the last uh, year and the, and the year to come and um yeah i hope everybody gets a chance please check it out you'll, you'll really it's a different type of program on sharks learn about the people behind the shark science yeah very cool. And cool. to find us, you know where to find us, the Wild Times podcast forward slash info to find all the links to this podcast and all of our other podcasts. Patreon.com forward slash Wild Times pod for the Patreon to support us. We release a podcast every week there and uh, at Wild Times pod on all the socials. Find us there. We're always posting stuff. At Speak Up Blue and at Law Shark Guy on Instagram for our wonderful guests today. I love all of you guys and Brosners. I love you too. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thanks a lot. Thanks.